All right. I am. Um, I, I was moved by the Lord this morning, and this scripture verse came to mind. If you'll please turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. You know, as, as a kid, and, and this was always a game you played at adolescence, and, you know, maybe this is something you wouldn't say really from a pulpit, but truth or dare. You know, and, and we know that that game can become somewhat promiscuous, and yet that's not what we're going to, like, focus on today. But in, in the text, I just want you to understand that as we move into today's message, and I believe that the Lord is moving me through a series of truth. Last week we spoke about truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And so we have freedom in Christ. And then today we're going to be talking about truth and what truth is and really what a lie is. And I think sometimes we often take a dare and in our lives we become um, so encompassed and wrapped up with what people think of us and how they view us and how they look at us instead of saying, I just need to do what's right in my heart and in my life. And so when we look at the text today, I just, as we read in Matthew chapter 15, here is Jesus and he's speaking and uh, this wasn't part of my text this morning, but I think it's so fitting for today's message that as I was downstairs, God says, well, think about this verse. And I thought, wow, this is really cool because, you know, when you look at the Jewish life and you look at Jerusalem or the nation of Israel, you have the Sadducees, the, the Pharisees, you have the scribes. So many of them lived by the law of the land. And yet when I look at the life of Jesus Christ, he was always saying, we're more focused and wrapped up in religious practices than we are allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in order for us to have freedom and understand what truth is about. So let's look at Matthew chapter 15, verse 15. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are you also yet with, without understanding? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the drought? And I love what verse 18 has to say. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Because Jeru the, the, the Jews were saying, wait a minute, you didn't wash your hands. And he says, you guys are all wrapped up in what is minor. This is what is major. It's what you say, how you live your life and what proceeds out of your mouth that people see who you are. And so verse 18, when it says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defileth the man. We can only speak two things, either truth or lie. Of course, the Bible encourages us to always speak the truth. 
Please turn with me, if you would, to First Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. First Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. But as he which called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Say this with me. I desire holiness. Ephesians 4.25 also states, Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Just like God's word, our words carry power as well. Remember in Proverbs 18, verse 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, which means we either speak death into our lives or we choose to speak life, whether it is a truth or a lie. They both carry significant power, one for the good and the other for the bad. But don't be mistaken, they are both very, very powerful. So this morning, what I'm going to do, we're going to examine both truth and a lie and see why both of these terms are so powerful. So first, let's examine a lie. And we're going to just make it simple. What is a lie? There are many different definitions such as falsehood, an attempt to deceive, or the untruth. Here, the, here is another simple definition that you may not have thought of as a def, definition or a word. But I want you to write it down, and I want you to make it an acronym, L-I-E. And if you're taking notes or writing down on your iPad, iPhone, whatever it might be, L stands for letting, I stands for in, and E stands for evil. Letting in evil. I bet you never thought of that word quite like that before. That's exactly what it is, and that's exactly what it does. To better understand the effects and force behind a lie, we will back into the meaning. In John chapter 17, verse 17, it says this, Sanctify them through thy truth, because thy word is truth. Sanctify them through thy truth, because your word is truth. Jesus is praying to the Father, and he says something very profound regarding the truth. So what I'm going to do is look at that text. We're going to look at it, and I'm going to emphasize the word sanctify because it says there, sanctify them through thy truth. First, the word sanctify or sanctification actually means to be set apart, to purify, to cleanse, or to be free from the guilt of sin, to consecrate or to separate The simple definition of the word truth is the opposite of a lie. And putting all this together, he is saying that the truth, or better, honestly, will purify, separate us, and cleanse us. Isn't that amazing? So when you tell the truth, it consecrates us, and it frees us from guilt. John 8.32 says, and we'll confirm this, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Remember, we are backing into this meaning, so pay close attention to, to 
what I'm trying to, to paint a picture of here. In John chapter 8, verse 32, if the truth will make you free, then a lie will put you into bondage and make you a slave to sin. If the truth will make you free, then a lie will put you into bondage and make you a slave to sin. Remember, a lie is the opposite of truth. Also, if the truth or honesty will, will purify, separate, cleanse, consecrate, and free you from the guilt of sin, then a lie will do just the opposite. Do we realize that? Do we understand just truly what a lie will do and how it affects us? A lie will contaminate us. Attach you to sin, soil, desecrate, and enslave you. Keep you in bondage because you've lied. Now remember the phrase that I said, thy word is truth. Which is the second part of John chapter 17, verse 17. There's a philosophy or a technique where two phrases are put together to draw one conclusion. And here is, here is an example of that. Phrase one says, sanctify them through thy truth. And phrase two says, thy word is truth. And here's the conclusion. Since thy word is the same as truth, you can substitute the two words for each other, which therefore means sanctify them through thy word. You follow me? And the common factor which makes all of this possible is the word truth. So phrase one is just this. It says that sanctify them through thy truth. Phrase two is the word is truth. And then we have a common denominator factor that comes in together, and that is how truthful are we? Do we practice truth? Do we exaggerate? I'll give you an example of that in just a minute, but listen closely or take notes. God empowers the word of truth. God empowers the word of truth to purify us, to separate us, to cleanse us, to consecrate, consecrate us, and to free us from the guilt of sin. And a lie will do just the opposite. You see, Satan empowers the words of a lie to contaminate and to attach you to sin. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing to me because when, when you look at the life of Christ, and you walk in the newness of life, that means that you're free from the old ways. And the Bible says old things are passed away. Field, all things become new. So if a lie contaminates us, it enslaves us, do you understand that the power of your words and just the influence of your words and the things you say, what it will do to us? See, death and life are in the power of our words because our words are being empowered by their good or evil. Isn't that the premise to our whole Christian life? A lie is simply letting in evil. And a lie opens up the floodgates to the soul, and if you are not careful, a lie will lead us to much more. You see, people have been imprisoned, beheaded, persecuted, and even killed all because a lie was told. A lie is a very, very powerful set of words which people use to let evil come in and take up residence in their lives. 
I'm just going to stop here real quick because I, how many of you have ever seen on 60 Minutes some of the um, true stories behind men that were incarcerated because the truth, uh, uh, the FBI came back in, an investigator, a detective, and said, I'm going to open this case back up, and they found out that the man was innocent, and they found the gentleman who actually, or woman, who murdered or raped, or yes. Interesting, isn't it? So it's amazing to me that a lie, just a lie, and that's why I thought it was so Important that out of our heart, if what we feed in and what we allow to become who we are, our being, then when we start to lie and we don't speak truth, then is Christ really in us? No. He said you'll be free when you speak the truth and you're in the Word. Here's a little illustration for you. I got home yesterday and when I got home, I saw that the car that I bought our daughters, the convertible top was down. So Lindsay, our youngest, who is driving now, I got home and I'm thinking to myself, it was 630. And my wife and I pulled in the driveway and said, why is the top not up if nobody's home? So I walk in the house and, and I'm yelling, Lindsay, Victoria. She's like, Todd, they're in Cleveland. Megan's getting her senior pictures done, so on and so forth. And I said, well, maybe she's here because certainly she would not have left that top down on that convertible. So I did what every parent did, and then I justified my actions. I called her up on the phone, and I lied. And I said, it is pouring down rain at this place, and this car is flooded. And I got the response out of her that you would get out of every 16-year-old girl. Oh, well, it's sunshining in Cleveland. I said, you, you know, when you're a parent and you use those middle words... Lindsay, Elizabeth, they know I'm serious. Although, why is it when I do it, these girls don't look at me like I'm serious? I haven't figured that out yet, but I'm like, Lindsay, Elizabeth, you do not leave this house. And if you're going to drive, you've got to be responsible. Because just the night before, I asked her that one important question. Are you responsible? So then she mimics back at me. and She goes, Dad, I have a question for you. This was about 20 minutes later. Are you responsible? And I said, yes. So anyhow, we hang up the phone. And then after I hung up the phone, I looked at my wife and I said, see, that's what I'm talking about. We will lie like it's nothing. We'll lie to prove a point. But all we're doing is letting in evil when in reality, why are we lying? Are we afraid of the outcome? So I picked up the phone. I said, Lindsay, yes, dad. I owe you an apology. I lied to you. Okay, because it's not raining here. I knew it wasn't raining there. She missed the whole point. What I was trying to say to her was that, listen, I think we do it and we don't do it consciously because what ends up happening is we justify our actions. It's just a little white lie. You know, so so maybe I just twisted it a little bit. Why are we always afraid that when we tell the truth that we're afraid of the repercussions of telling the truth when in reality we all have a lesson that needs to be taught or maybe we need to learn and in reality we all should tell the truth. But yet we allow evil to come into our life because we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of the harsh rebuke that we might get from our loved one when we say the word N-O. 
So you make up this wonderful, beautiful story that kind of just flowers into a garden of roses and sunshine and everything else, when in reality, that's not the truth. Practice, just practice one day everything you say. Not, oh, honey, when did you leave work? 20 minutes ago, when you know that you're pulling out of the parking lot right now. Because you're late, you know that your wife is so upset that that's it. You're in big trouble. No, just say, I just now left. But we have a tendency to kind of stretch the truth. And it's a lie. And it's a sin. And in our Christian walk, we've got to make sure that we have to be careful of the stories that we tell we understand that when you went fishing, you only caught a minnow. You didn't catch that catfish that was 45 pounds, although I did see a picture. And so, um, but for some of you, I want to see pictures. I'm not just going to listen to your story. And yet we have all kinds of stories that we tell. And before long, we become what society has titled us as habitual liars. I can't trust that man. I can't trust that woman. And so I love what it says in Matthew chapter 12. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now that we have discussed and defined what a lie really is, we're ready to examine the word truth. Do you understand that in the King James Bible, and yes, I still use the King James even though I use the ESV as well, just because that's what I love and I know and it's easy for me. And, uh, but the word truth appears in the King James Bible 223 times. But watch closely. So as I was doing this study for today, the attributes of God, such as mercy, graciousness, long-suffering and abundance are all founded upon goodness and truth. God proclaimed it himself as he passed by Moses. And here's what he said in Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 and 6. And the Lord descended into the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord. The Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and in truth. Since God's attributes are founded on the truth, our attributes, our attitudes, our conversations, and our lives should be founded upon the truth since we are made in His image. Do you know what they said about that guy over there in that cubicle? I don't know what it is, but have you noticed in his cubicle at work, he's got a cross and his Bible sits there and he's got all this paraphernalia because he says Jesus is all about him. Yeah, I was kind of noticing that. And that guy, man, he's just a habitual liar. I don't trust him. Well, I certainly wouldn't trust the God that he serves if that's the kind of of God. He serves. Why would I want to believe in a man like that? Isn't that amazing? So we allow ourselves to to be in bondage again to lies. So what is truth? 
Pilate asked Jesus the same question in John 18, 38. Pilate said unto him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. Wouldn't that, isn't that great? Think about it. Wouldn't it be great to have the same spirit that people would say, man, I find no fault in that man. He is spotless or that woman is spotless. She really, she walks and talks with God. And that's what being in the word of God is all about. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy words have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. So his word is truth and then we exhibit the characteristics of Christ in our life. Truth is a state of being that includes everything in our walk with the Lord. Here's what God revealed to me, what truth is. Here's another acronym for you. Truth. True righteousness unto the heart. True righteousness unto the heart. I'm just going to give you a few things here and then we'll close. God desires truth in our church. God desires truth in our church. And I want to have you turn to these scriptures that I'm going to give. But in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, let me give you an illustration. Pastor, That has been the most precious deacon and deacon's wife I have ever met in my life. Do you know anything about the deacon and deacon's wife? Do you know what they did? Well, it doesn't matter. I love them. I'm just going to justify their actions. And it's okay. A little sin. It's okay if they just embezzled $42,000 from the church. It's all right. I have had in the 12 years since the conception of this church, people have looked at me and said, Preacher, listen, they're good people. Oh, they are? Well, that's interesting. Because when I went to them and made them accountable and told them to walk in truth as he's in truth and they'll be free, they looked at me and said, Not me. I would never do a thing like that. You mean I'd take another man's wife? Are you serious, Pastor? Yeah, I'm serious. Stay away from her. Listen, it happens in the workplace. The other night, we're, we're at, a, uh, at a restaurant, and I see this couple. And it's always interesting when you see a couple, and the couple are over on the side. You know, wh- why is it that everybody has to hide? We can't see you. They hide, and they think nobody knows what they're going on. And then all of a sudden, I always find this real interesting. As they're hiding over around the corner, because it's now 7 o'clock at night, and both of them should be home with their hubby and their wifey, they're over there. One more time. I looked over at him, I said, Oh, no, you didn't. You two are sneaking around. Because, you know, when you jump out of the bushes or you jump out of the trees because, you know, we don't want anything on camera, you then realize that when he drives this way and she drives that way and they cross this way. And I said, "Mm mm-hmm, 
I know what you're doing. But people have accepted that as norm today. And then we can just cross over and it could be fine in the church. Well, I think the scripture just said here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, if the church is to be alive and God's to be a part of it, it is the pillar and ground of truth. So we shouldn't allow, here's an old word from no hanky-panky, no sin or any of that nonsense going on. Because this is the house of God. And we've learned that this is a place where God, number two, God desires truth in our worship. John four twenty four says, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, there's, there's nothing greater. Holy Spirit, thou art welcomed in this place. Holy Spirit. Thou art welcomed in this place. Then it goes into omnipotent Father of mercy and grace. Thou art welcomed in this place. Worship is a very, very important part of our church service. But if we don't open up the word of truth, then we can't be sanctified and set apart and cleansed for His purpose. Are you following me? Amen. Truth, true righteousness into the heart. So then third, God desires truth in our service. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart for consider how great things he hath done for you. I serve the Lord in truth. I serve the Lord because I love serving the Lord. I think it's awesome serving the Lord. Yes, it has its ups and downs, its in and outs and all kinds of stuff, but guess what it did for Jesus too. And if we're to exhibit truth in our life and the attributes of God, then we will do just the same. So God desires truth in our speech. Psalms 51, 6 says, Behold, thou desires truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Proverbs twelve nineteen says, The lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. So often we allow our tongue to lie. When my girls were little, I always told them, know one thing. You lie, God's going to tell me. And if they lie, I approached him and say, I don't feel good in my spirit. Because then the Holy Spirit starts speaking truth into our life. Listen, church, the reason why churches are dying because people don't believe the word of truth. They're not sanctified, consecrated, set apart for His use and glory. And that's where we start to walk in Christ and in the newness of life. And so that's what I love about intimacy with the Lord. Because I've told my wife this before. I love when I go to the Lord and I get on my knees and I pray and He answers my prayer within a couple hours. And just this week, two of our prayers were answered Within a couple hours. And so I got in the car and I was by myself and I said, you know, thank you, God, that you heard that prayer. You're still listening. 
But if we're going to allow him to be a part of our daily life and our daily walk, don't just go to the preacher. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another so that you may be healed. But it also says, if a man regards sin in his heart or iniquity in his heart, God doesn't hear that prayer. So listen, release it. And know that you too can tell the truth. Yes, there's always going to be repercussions. Isn't it sad? You walk into, you, you stand up before the judge and he says, put your hand right here. You put it there. I'll tell the truth. That's about the truth. So help you God, blah, 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 more, blah, blah, blah. Now we as Christians, before we even get to the Bible, we should tell the truth and we should live by truth. God desires that in us. And then God desires Truth in our fellowship. Psalms 85 says, Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. And then last but not least, God's truth is eternal. God's truth is eternal. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth is Indoors for all generations. Listen, church, I've got a simple little message. Stop the nonsense that your grandfather and your grandmother and your mom and your dad started years ago. Because of the generational sins that have been passed down from one generation to another, sometimes it's hard to stop the bloodline curse in our life. And in some fam- families, and I've heard this, yeah, he tells stories just like his grandpappy did. I've heard it. He tells stories just like his father did. She tells stories just like her mom. They're just identical. Practice telling the truth. Let's, here's what we do in the game of truth or dare. But if I just tell that little bit of a lie, no one will ever know. Oh, yes. There's one that knows. God the Father knows everything. And if He is a part of your life and in your living out your life, then the accountability is between you and God. So I say this in closing. Here's the greatest benefit of walking and living in truth. According to the scriptures, being truthful and forgiving carries benefits. Truth and forgiveness brings with it four benefits, namely, favor with God, favor with men, good understanding with God, and good understanding with men. Proverbs 3 says this, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the tables of your heart. So you, so that thou shalt find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and in the sight of man. Being honest and being truthful and having a forgiving spirit benefits us spiritually, physically, financially, and even emotionally. By simply being truthful with others and ourselves puts us in a position of favor with God and favor with man. A little bit of honesty goes a long way with God. Favor with God means being in God's grace and in his kindness and in his goodness.
Isn't that what David was referring to in the 23rd Psalm when he said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Truth or dare? Truth or lie? What will it be, Christian? Are we going to let in evil? Or are we going to allow true righteousness come into our heart? And as I say this, and will be done this morning, may I encourage all of you, don't take that little story and make it something big. Find favor with God. Find favor with men. And I'll conclude in this story. There was once a pastor's conference in Chicago, Illinois, at Moody. And pastors love to get together and they love to talk. Right, Pastor T? And I know Pastor Lucas in here today. And as they talk, they love to tell stories. And one of the stories that they love to tell to all of us other pastors is this. Sir, is it okay if I sit down right here? Sure, please sit down. We're getting ready to have lunch, breakfast, dinner. Preacher, is it okay if I sit here? Yes, pastor, please sit there. As we sit at the big round table, most of the time they will say to you, where did you come from? Many people will say, oh, I've come from Illinois or you know Michigan or Vegas or China or wherever. And then they proceed to say something that just makes my stomach turn. How many people go to your church? I told Pastor T and Pastor Luke, I said, I get so irritated every time I hear that. Because, you see, it causes men to come up with a story. And it doesn't matter if the church runs five people, 50 people, or 5,000 people. If you're in the center of God's will, that's all that matters. I love when I, and I was sharing this with the men in, in discipleship class this morning as Brother Steve was teaching. But I said, you know what I love? When a man looks at me and says, you know, I'm up in Mackinac Island and it's, and it's just a place where people are, you know, they come in for the holidays, they come in for vacation. And oftentimes in the winter months, we might have on a good day, maybe five people at church. In the summer, I might have 50 I said, so how's it working out for you there? He goes, i got to tell you, sometimes I do get discouraged because I, I face the same things, you know. And if there's only five people in your church, then the one guy who feels that he's given the most out of the five, he thinks he owns the church. He goes, yeah, it's a little bit frustrating. But he goes, i got to tell you something. There's nothing greater than getting on riding my bicycle around the island, riding my bicycle, meeting every, everybody knows who I am. There's so few people there. But when you hear of a pastor who says he's running 500 and he's running 50, why did he do that? You see, he didn't have to lie. He didn't have to allow evil in his life. I told Pastor T and Pastor Luke on the way home, I go, that's it. Instead of saying we run 120 people, 150, I'm not going to include the Nepali, and we're going to say we run 300. Because we started New Hope Nepali, too. They started laughing. I go, is everything about numbers? Listen, church, it's not about that. It's about your soul. It's about you getting your life right with God. 
You know, I told Debbie this morning, and, and for those that might listen to our podcast, listen to me closely. God wants you free. Just tell the truth. Just go to Him and confess your faults to Him. It says if, if we are faithful, you know that word faithful? To confess? That means that ongoing we're going to Him and saying, Lord, I'm sorry I've let you down again. Because that's how we build relationships. And if we as pastors are lying to other pastors and to congregations, no wonder our churches are in the situation and position that they're in today. Oh God, help us. Help us as officers and deacons and trustees and deacons' wives and trustees' wives and treasurers' wives and treasurers. And, you know, I don't care if you're a Sunday school teacher. I don't care if you're just a husband and wife and you're a prayer warrior in the church. Whatever your place is, wherever God placed you to be a part of that body, just tell the truth. So I ask you today. Have you allowed evil to get in your life? Have you allowed evil to infiltrate your life, your heart? So now you can't decide or decipher between right and wrong. Oh God, help us. Today may I encourage each and every one of you to practice John 8.32. And you too shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. And we as pastors, we need to hang our head in humility and just say, I'm right where God wants me to be. Because it doesn't matter the size of a church, the size of your home, the size of your bank account, the size of your car, the size of your home. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're CEO or if you're just a janitor. It doesn't matter. What matters most is that you live a life that is founded on this truth, the Word of God. Let's all stand as we close. Father God, we love you, and we pray that today that we too can become free, that you will deliver us from a place where we have found that we are not living a life that's honest and truthful before you. So, Father, we pray for freedom. We pray for victory. And, Father, we pray for that today there's somebody in this room that needs to rededicate their life, that needs to come to you and just needs to leave it on the altar. Lord, free them. Give them victory. Help them to feel the sense of deliverance and know that they came to this place, a place where you're at before you said, where two or more are gathered in my name, I am in the midst. Oh God, thank you so much for being with us today. For filling your presence. For allowing us to worship you. Oh God, we give to you today. Help us to be righteous. Help us to live a life of truth. And stop fabricating stories. Live a life that is honorable and admirable before you. God, help us today. In your holy name we pray. Amen.